Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunar. Welcome to episode 74 of Apply Filters. This time, Pippin and I will be looking back at 2016 and also looking forward to 2017. Pippin, how about you get us started off? How's your 2016 been? Yeah, so we've got a few things that we want to go over. First of all, I think there were some interesting challenges that we both faced in 2016 on personal levels and business in the business world, development, etc. We had some good highlights and we had some we have some good goals going forward in 2017. Before we get into those, because we're on a, we're doing a podcast, I think it makes sense that we go ahead and give a couple of quick fun stats that we just looked up from 2016 for Apply Filters. So first of all, in 2016, we managed to record 21 episodes. So it's a little bit more than one episode per month. Episodes were downloaded over 50,000 times. And episode 55 and 66 were the most popular with about 1,800 downloads each. As we learned today for the very first time, there is actually more than one person listening to this <laughs> podcast, which is kind of yeah. cool. So we averaged about 1.75 episodes per month, actually. So that... That's not too bad. No, you know, we try to record once every two weeks and every now and then we get delayed a few weeks. One of us gets sick. We're on a trip or something like that. But 1.7, that's pretty close. That, and that's why I thought like it, the average would be much lower, like much closer to one <laughs> per month. So I'm happy with that. So challenges in 2016. Do you want to start? Sure. Over the, the course of the year, there was one big challenge that was consistently on my mind, both from a, from a business perspective, a personal perspective, and a, and a development. Uh, and, and that was that the growth of EDD, at least in terms of our, the revenue that we were able to bring in from the project, seemed to have kind of stalled. I wrote up a big year in review post and published it last week or early this week. I think I published it on Monday. And gave a whole bunch of details on it. But, but basically, we had started to see um, maybe towards the end of 2015 and all of 2016 that EDD had been really skyrocketing up at a, at a pretty good clip. Maybe not skyrocketing, but at least going upwards um, pretty consistently. And it was for the first time that we really saw it level out and even go down that was not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty natural thing to happen, especially as a product reaches maybe four years old, which is about what EDD is, somewhere between four and five. But it was still challenging to deal with, especially because in 2016 and, and 2015, we've, we've actually risen our cost of maintaining the project quite a bit. So it got to a point where we were actually spending more to maintain the project than the project was bringing in. So number one, we're looking at from a business perspective of, hey, is there something that we've done or something that we need to do to help improve this, to, to bring, up, bring up the revenue or, or lower down the cost? And at the same time, we're looking at it from a development perspective because maybe there's a lot of areas of the product that we need to improve, whether it's from UI design to efficiency to whatever, to the features that we have in the product, kind of looking at all of those. So that was an overall challenge for 2016. I think we found various answers to a lot of different parts of it, um, and we're not we're not really worried for the future of the project going forward. But it was I don't want to say it was a new experience for me because I've had I've had projects that have slowed down and and not necessarily died, but 
definitely slowed down in the past, but this was the first time that we'd seen it for EDD because over the last four to five years, EDD has been our, our poster child basically for our projects. That was interesting. It was a, there was a lot of good exercises, a lot of good things to remember when we, when we're looking back on them and a lot of hard learned and valuable lessons there. I think beyond that, uh, we had, we had two other, at least for, for me, there was two other main challenges that, that I saw in 2016. The first was we grew our team by six people in 2016. A lot of those were during the year, and then two of them were actually right at the very end of the year. Uh, you, could, you could probably claim that two of those are 2017, but those team members came on at the end of 2016, but really started in 2017. But anyway, so I have always been a do-it-myself kind of person. Um, ever since I was a kid, uh, I was raised with this mentality of we're going to do everything ourselves, whether it's repairing the plumbing in the house, to building something that we want, to learning how to run a business, to going to school, whatever. I'm going to do it myself. Trying to step out of that mentality and learn how to adequately run a larger team. Uh, our team is now up to about 15 people. Was a challenge. I mean, and it's been a challenge ever since my first employee. But it has gotten... I don't, I don't think it's gotten exponentially more difficult or challenging, but there are new challenges every time we bring on somebody new. And since we brought on six new people in 2016, this was definitely a year of learning lessons firsthand. And then the last one that I'd like to share is really something that I think, Brad, you probably feel as well, being um, the head of your company and being a developer at heart, is over the last three years, Every single month or, or as we've moved further and further along, I have continually lost my role as the lead developer. So all of the projects that we run today started with me as the developer. Um, I've always been the developer. Uh, I've written most of the code for our code bases up until not too long ago. And as our team has grown, as our products have grown, I have started to step further and further out of that role. I write less code than I do today. I still write code, but I don't write nearly as much as I used to. And I've started to really appreciate, understand, and miss the fact that my time spent writing code is not the best way for me to spend my time. I don't know if I would say it's been unexpected. I didn't expect it three years ago, but it hasn't. It didn't blindside me in any way, uh, it, but it has been a gradual shift. And... Honestly, I don't entirely know how I feel about it. There are certain days when I love running the company. There are certain days when I really just miss being the, the guy sitting there in the dark writing, the co writing code. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see where this goes in 2017 and beyond, um, whether I've, I've tra transitioned my role back into development or if, um, or if I continue to step further and further away from it. So how about you, Brad? Anything you want to share or comment on for 2016? Yeah, my challenges, well, one of my challenges was very similar to, to that. Well, I've hired all developers. Our team is all developers. So they handle the development, they handle support, they write blog posts for the blog, they write documentation, you know, so they do a lot of different things. But I do pretty much everything else, right? Like marketing and 
human resources, <laughs> like like all the just basically everything else that is not that much fun. And I think over time, it it, it has certainly worn away. Like I, I've gotten kind of sick of it, and I, and I've realized also to make the matters even worse that. I'm not doing any of those things very well because I don't really enjoy doing them. I, I, and because I'm doing so many different things that I don't do any one of them very well. There's a few things I do. You're doing, you're doing them because it's your job because it's not anyone else's job. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, what I've realized is that I, I need to make some changes. I'm the founder, I run the company, I have the power to do whatever I want to do, like to change things. So I have to do that this year and make sure that that happens because otherwise things things won't get better, right? So, and I'll continue struggling with motivation. I think another part of it was that I was feeling overwhelmed. You know, I had a, a list of issues that are kind of top of my plate that I was planning to tackle that day. And then like as the day went on, like more and more issues just came in and ended up on the top of the stack and pushed the other ones down. And by the end of the day, I, I had like two, I, I got through the new issues and I had, but I had like two others added. So it's just like the stack just kept getting bigger no matter what. Um, so yeah, I think over being overwhelmed was, was part of the, the problem there too. But that again, um, I think, I think I've, I'm in control of that as well. I can I can hire people to help me out with that and stuff. So we'll be looking to do that this year. Something I, I realized that I had done in 2016, um, and I didn't realize that I had done this at all until I was sitting down writing our 2016 review post that I published earlier in the week. As you said, as the, as the founder and as the owner of the company, you have the power to make changes. Uh, and one of those changes that that I think we decide to make is whether to hire somebody to, to fill a role or to um, expand a role or to replace a role or, or what have you. And something I realized I started doing in 2016 was being much quicker to recognize when it's time to hire somebody new. I think for all of 2015 and 2014, I was very reluctant to hire somebody new until it was really, really necessary. And, and perhaps maybe it's just because I've now hired enough people that I've gotten used to the process um, and I'm a little bit better at recognizing the value that they provide and the, the potential value. Or maybe it's just because I realize that I don't want to work 18 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get you. That's, that's exactly what I, I think it is. Like, it, it gets to a point where you're just like, I have to hire somebody. Like it's, it's the only way out. Yeah. And I think maybe that should be a, a, goal, a general goal is we shouldn't be waiting until we have to hire someone. Right. Just try to identify it earlier on. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of hiring, one of the other challenges I had this, this past year uh, was hiring freelancers. And so I would, uh, I had some trouble. So I had one developer that was going to help out, um, uh, was there, work on our site and they said, okay, I'll get started, you know, next week. And then next week came and went and then the two weeks came and went and the three weeks of, you know, and then, so then had to start over, looked for another freelancer. We managed to get uh, things done though. At least uh, automatic renewals did get launched on our site uh, with help from a freelancer. So that was good. 
but there was there were some hiccups uh, in that in that deal as well. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, do you think that's just because of the the particular freelancers that you that were hired, or because of communication errors, all of the above? Uh, probably or all, else? probably all of the above. I would say, yeah. I'll just leave it at that. And we're, and we're on good terms now and everything. So I, th- I think it's fine. But yeah, mis- mostly mis- miscommunication kind of stuff. You know, we looked at hiring a QA person, someone to come on and help test our products. And that was kind of a similar thing where it was like, you know, a week came and went, two weeks came and went, and nothing was happening. And so it's just like, I don't know if, if the freelancers I end up finding are, are good, so good that they're so busy that they just overcommit themselves and can't make their commitments um, or what. But I, I just, I feel like I had terrible luck <laughs> in 2016 with freelancers. So yeah, it, it's something I guess I have to keep working at. And I, I might try hiring for part-time instead of freelancers maybe that'll help a little bit i'm not i'm not sure i think there's only one or two freelancers that we hired in 2016 uh and overall they were a good experience everyone else that we've brought on um maybe as a freelance role is considered a part-time person like they're they're actively brought in they're not just here for a single project right right I like that because then, you know, whatever they learn today it can be used, you know, tomorrow and in a month and, and, and then, you know, in two months. Um, whereas if you're, if you're just recycling through freelancers, you lose that, that knowledge. Um, and, and our site is pretty kind of. You know. Well, and, and every single freelancer that you bring on, there's, a, there's an onboarding process with that. I mean, everything from getting them in, getting billing agreements worked out, getting contact information, um, to even getting them exposed to the projects that they're working on. Right. This, yeah. There's, there's some, some overhead there for sure. Yeah. So, so anyways, that was, that was one thing. And, uh, kind of the last challenge was that, so I hired a, a designer to redesign our site in November, 2015, <laughs> And it's still not out, in case you're wondering. Anyway, they, they, they completed their work in a timely fashion. I think by February, I had like a design that was done. And then I hired a, f- a freelance front-end developer that was done on a timely manner. I think they delivered around April, May. And then I dropped the ball. <laughs> I, I failed to allocate resources properly, like, because what ha- needed to happen, like we had the front end development done. So all we need to do is integrate it into our theme. But there ended up being a lot more work than anticipated there. Um, the designer had used placeholders. So all the screenshots had to be done. Uh, a lot of content had to be reworked or new content written. So a lot of that was felt uh, on my plate. And then a lot of uh, the development work, like integration work, someone else had to help me with that. But, you know, everyone else on the team was also busy working on products. So it was hard to figure out how to bring someone over to work on the site. I ended up bringing over Ian and stole him away from Mergebot for a bit. But then, then Mergebot became a higher priority than our site redesign. So that's kind of where it fell flat. Right. 
we've been doing all of our site design and development in-house for the last probably three years now. Um, And in in some ways, I think that's awesome. In other ways, it's a challenge. Other ways, it sucks. Um, But just because, I mean, any time that somebody's working on one project, they're not working on another. But at the same time, we're keeping all of that knowledge, all of the process within the company, uh, which is valuable. Um, But the other thing that that we've done that I, I think has worked well is we've only done maybe three complete redesigns of any of our sites in the last like four years. Everything else has been iterative design changes and, and, and layouts. So like about once a week, we will push changes to the EDD site. And probably about once a week, we'll push them to the RCP or for the WP site as well. Um, and so that we just slowly iterate over those. Um, and, and right now it's two of our team members handle all of our site development. Uh, and that's a pretty good size, pretty good chunk of their day-to-day work yeah. is doing the site development. I think I have to prioritize it more. I think we maybe we need to hire another developer for, to the team so that we can put more resources into and kind of treat our site like another one of the products is kind of what I was thinking. Well, I think it's important to recognize that your site is what makes your sales for your products. So... That's, I think that the day that we recognize that, and I don't remember that ever just happening one day, but it's not a question of, is the work that they're putting into the sites valuable? There's no question about it. Right. Yeah, there isn't. It's still, it's still a juggle, juggling act. Uh, what about some highlights for 2016? Anything in particular that you'd like to share? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'll go down the list here. I've got a little list of highlights. So Early in the year, we acquired a new plugin uh, from Matt Shaw and brought Matt onto our team. And so that was Better Search Replace plugin. We acquired that. And uh, I believe I talked about that on the show previously. Uh, Yep, a couple episodes back. Yeah. And uh, we added three members to our team this year, which was a, a a nice thing, a highlight, I would say. And we, we met up in Vienna in June uh, around WordCamp Europe. So that was our annual company retreat. And uh, it was just a great, great time. Uh, I think uh, it was an awesome meetup. Couldn't have went much better than it did. There was way less hiccups than the previous company retreat. <laughs> so it was good. Uh, revenue was up 59% over the previous year's revenue. That's a huge and, increase. Yeah, yeah, pretty happy with it. It wasn't as big a bump as the previous year, but we didn't add a new revenue stream in 2016. Like we didn't add a new product. Uh, so so that, that's probably why. <laughs> it wasn't quite the big bump because in, in 2015, we, we did add a new product. So we came up with a new release process that I'm pretty excited about. Um, and uh, we've already started to see kind of the advantages of that and how much quickly, how much more quickly we can get releases out and, uh, and get those. Can you, can you share some of the details on the release process? Yeah. So what we decided to do is what we normally would do prior, prior to this change is uh, we would create a new milestone on GitHub and decide and then start putting features and bug fixes and all these other issues into it. And then we'd say, okay, this is a release. When it's done, this release goes out. 
And the problem with that was that we didn't really have, it was, it's very difficult to estimate how much work is involved in all of those issues. And so how much time it's going to take to complete the, that, that milestone, that release. And so what we decided to change is we would make things a little bit just more focused. So let's pick one feature, one feature that will be the focus of the release. And we'll chuck in some bug fixes and like smaller stuff that will go in this release and not, um, not add a bunch of other feature, like big features that are going to take up a bunch of time. So, so once that uh, focus feature has been completed by the, wh whoever is assigned to it, usually it's just one developer that works on, on that one feature. Once that's done, we, we bundle all the rest that, of the issues that have been completed while that was in development, and that's a release. So the release timeline is tied to that focus feature. So basically, it's kind of a race too, because so like the developer that's working on the focus feature, like the other developers are like racing to try to get stuff into the release that they want to see released sooner than later. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of different uh, and kind of nice. Uh, so I like that process a lot. It gives a release um, more of a focus, and it also probably speeds up the release process and makes them more manageable and makes them maybe a little easier to avoid the the rabbit hole that I think we tend to get into where you just have issue after issue after issue chucked into release and uh, it's like a never ending release and all of a sudden you realize you've addressed a hundred different things. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm talking about major releases here, not like so minor releases, we still do those like when a bug we feel is high priority, we'll fix it and we'll push out a minor release. So, so this is, this is mostly the change to the process uh, for major releases only. We also uh, embarked on a, a journey of uh, adding automated acceptance tests to our products so that like we spend a ton of time testing our products. So automating that uh, became a priority. We, we had, like I mentioned earlier, we had dabbled with the idea or uh, of uh, hiring a QA person and then eventually scaling that to a team of QA people uh, and quickly realized that that was not the way to go. But we're creating acceptance tests that we can just run uh, and it'll just basically do what a human would do, uh, like clicking around and stuff. Uh, we're using Codeception for that. Once we get a bit further along, I think you're gonna to start to see more blog posts from us about that kind of stuff. I think we're gonna to need to have an episode or two on that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is pretty awesome. It's it's been challenging, but but it's gonna the payoff's gonna be huge, right? To be able to to test like your whole product thoroughly uh, with the push of a button and then with confidence just do a release without with with just a skim test, like a manual skim test. Man, I can't wait. <laughs> And then just in general, we, we pushed our products forward. We had a bunch of releases of MigrateDB Pro, a bunch of releases of Offload S3. And we launched our new product uh, into beta, MergeBot. Uh, so it's been, it was busy 2016. And uh, I'm pretty happy with how it went and pretty proud of the team and the work that they've, they've done. So it's, uh, it's been pretty good overall. How about you, Pippin? 
at the very, very beginning of 2016, I managed to knock two of my 2016 goals off the table. Um, and the first one was visit, visiting New Zealand. Um, I've made it a goal recently in the last few years of at minimum visiting a new country every year. And so in 2016, my goal was to visit New Zealand, which I did uh, in January. And then the second goal that I had for the year that we managed to, to complete was turning on automatic subscriptions for all of our primary products. So that's Affiliate WP, Easy Digital Downloads, and Restricted Content Pro. So we've been working on implementing automatic renewals for quite a while. And in, in January, we turned on automatic renewals for Affiliate WP um, on January 21st, to be precise. And then in March, we turned them on for EDD and RCP. Um, so these automatic renewals are, so every single customer that comes to us and purchases a license since then has been put into a subscription so that their license key will automatically renew after a year. Uh, if you want to see some some numbers and some analysis of how much this is going to affect us in 2017, go check out the review post that I published on pippinsplugins.com. But it's going to be pretty dramatic. And so we're really happy to get those turned on. Uh, and here in nine days is our very first renewals coming through that we're pretty excited for. So that was the first one. The second was a, an ongoing thing that we've been working on for a while, uh, and this is primarily with EDD. And, and this s speaks a little bit to the challenge that, I, that we talked about at the beginning where EDD had been, growth had been slowing down a lot, uh, costs had been going up, revenue had been stagnating. Along with all of that, we had realized that we really needed to realign our focus for the project and the way that our company works on EDD, where we go in the future, what we decide to work on. And in the first few months of 2016, and actually, well, no, in every single month of the year, we made progress on realigning our focus, recognizing what, where we wanted to put our attention, what we should be working on, et cetera. And if I think about where we were a year ago to where we are today, just in our focus as a company, we are so much further ahead than we were. Uh, and that makes me really happy. So you're, you're probably also a happy, happier anyway, because, because you're, you're consolidating all of the add-ons for EDD and you're, you're really focused more on quality of those core add-ons and, it, it just seems like it just makes so much sense. What, there what you there guys was a couple done, of, so. of things that we, we really recognized. Um, and, and one of the primary ones was simply that our focus was too spread out. There was too many different plugins. And then also we realized one day, and, and I should probably be ashamed to admit that it took me so long to really recognize and recognize the importance of this. But we realized that like something like five of the EDD plugins account for 85% of our revenue. But probably all of the other dozens or hundreds of plugins accounted for over 50% of the time that we spent on the project. And that was a really eye-opening moment the day that I realized that because it just told me immediately, whoa, we need to not be working on these other things as much and focusing on our cores. So the core plugins are where our focus is. Um, and so we've been working through, throughout the year to get rid of all of the things that pull our focuses away from those. Uh, and we've been pretty successful with it. Uh, and that's put us in a better place as a company, as a team, 
Um, and it's done wonders for me personally. Managing to do that was a, a nice highlight of the year looking back um, because I think what it really was is we, we dealt with a challenge. Um, we dealt with this thing that was slowly kind of pulling us apart and damaging us from the inside. Uh, and with that, uh, we managed to, across the board, we increased our company revenue by 30%, which was pretty nice. Similar to like what you said, it wasn't as much of an increase over the, the increase that we saw between 2014, 2015. But again, we didn't have any major new product in 2016. All we had, we had improvements to our products, and but we still managed to increase our revenue. Um, and even though EDD kind of stagnated, uh, we managed to grow Affiliate WP and Restrict Content Pro pretty substantially. And we're going to continue to do that throughout the next 12 months. At the end of 2016, we finally managed to do something that we had been wanting to do for a while for EDD, and that was a price increase. Uh, we, had, we had done a few little price increases for certain plugins in EDD around, during the year, but in December, we just decided we're going to do it across the board. And so I think all but maybe two plugins saw a pretty substantial price increase. And there was really a couple of goals here. Number one is obviously increased revenue. That's our goal, especially throughout the year, EDD actually had a, had a pretty big loss for the year. And so this was something that was necessary for us to do was to increase the revenue that we bring in. But two, there's two other main focuses. Number one is reduce support because support is incredibly challenging for EDD. It's EDD support is three times harder than any of our other products. And two, we don't have a, we don't really have a, a great way to label them, but there's a certain kind of customer that we're not looking to have in our ecosystem. And then there, there are the customers that we have, that we want to have. We've always struggled with customers that are extremely low value, but extremely difficult to support. It's not that we're trying to be exclusive or um, exclude anybody from being able to be in our ecosystem, but we're trying to make sure that those customers that do commit to us are committed. There's probably a much, much better way to say that, but that's ultimately what it comes down to. Raising our prices increases revenue, decreases support, and elevates the quality of the customer that we get to work with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and so getting all that done reasonably smoothly uh, was a, a, a win for us. Um, another highlight that we actually did not realize that we had achieved until literally when I was writing up the review post and I was doing queries and uh, manually querying our customer database in SQL and doing numbers and failing in math. But uh, I found out that we over the year, actually managed to reduce our support across the board 1%. So our percent was our support tickets were 1% lower in 2016 than in 2015, uh, which made me really happy, uh, especially since we had managed to have an increase in revenue. For EDD, you guys do free support, right? Like, you, Or no, you don't? We do. Do you have to be a customer? We, we do free you do, support. You do yeah. do free support. <laughs> That's probably why that you have like... A lot more volume. Yeah, and the volume EDD is then. quite a bit bigger. Um, it might not yeah. be double affiliate WP, and it's it's way more than double RCP, but that's just because RCP is still a smaller project. Um, affiliate WP, at least in terms of revenue, is pretty close to equal with EDD, but EDD support is almost double affiliate WP. So managing to actually lower our support by 1% um, was something that made me really, really happy. Uh, it's, it's a pretty small decrease, but it is a decrease and not a significant increase. So that's good. 
Um, and then the, the next one was uh, we brought on six new team members and then we brought several of our, some older team members back into active roles. So we've had a number of team members that have worked with us through the years, have been not necessarily left, but have more or less moved to be in active roles. And we brought a couple of them back into active roles. Um, and so our team grew quite a bit this year, which is also one of the big reasons why EDD's cost has skyrocketed. Um, or maybe not skyrocketed, but it's gone up quite a bit. It's because we brought on new team members to not only help with development, but with our realigned focus, we have a lot of things that we really want to work on, and that takes development time. And so some of those team members were brought on just for that. And so any loss that we as a company incurred in 2016, it's all it's an investment, um, and it's an investment that I'm 100% confident is going to pay off. Uh, and then I had two last kind of personal highlights that I really enjoyed in 2016. Number one, uh, I finally managed to acquire my personal domain name. So I managed to get Pippin.com, which is a domain name I've been trying to get for probably six years. Um, and after a, a very, very long ongoing discussion with the owner, uh, I managed to buy it in February. And so that made me pretty happy. And then the last one is uh, I've been wor slowly working on a brewery project with my brother. Uh, and we've made some pretty good progress on the brewery. We have company founded. We've got a lot. We've got our financial stuff figured out. We have a building, um, and hopefully in 2017 we'll actually manage to brew our first batch of commercial beer. So this is a fun little side project. It's my evening and weekend project. Anything in particular that you want to highlight for 2017 goals moving forward? Well, we're going to. Uh Keep the beta of MergeBot going, get feedback from those beta users, uh, keep keep uh, iterating on it, and then hopefully launch MergeBot uh, out of beta. So uh, that's that's kind of the number one goal for, for 2017. Um, that's going to make a lot of people very, very happy. The, uh, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> um, and then for... Uh, the other products uh, that we have, MigrateDB Pro and Upload S3, um, aiming for three major releases uh, this year for those, which I think is one major release more than than 2016. Uh, so that's so. Just curious, with your new release schedule, does that also mean so you'll have three major new features that come out? That's right. Yep. Yep. Cool. So that's that's the plan. Uh, maybe we'll be able to do better than that. Hope I'm I'm optimistic that that we'll be able to to do better. But that's the goal. Three. I don't want to go crazy with the, with the goal and then be disappointed. But I think I think three would be a really great step above 2016. So uh, and then uh, we're currently in the process right now of hiring our first non-developer. We're hiring for a product marketing manager role. So that's someone to come on board to help with our blog and uh, running our ads and like a million other things. <laughs> so there's, it's the, the job posting, the feedback I've gotten from the uh, job posting, like when I, I ask people to check this out and let me know what you think, is, is this job posting, you know, good or bad and people said it's long and detailed but it's good no one told me to like trim it down so i think that's probably a good sign despite it being long and and uh detailed um good that should let you well 
hopefully get back into development if that's what you decide you want to do. I know that the stuff that this person is going to be hired for, I don't do that well and I'm not that, um, I, I don't really like doing it that much. So th those two facts alone is enough for me. <laughs> Even if that will uh, allow me to maybe be the product, the, the, the product manager that I, I would like to be, uh, right? I think, you know, as... As, as founders, it's equally important for us to fill all the roles, but to also recognize when we need to replace, we need to replace yeah. us in yeah, a role. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that, another item on my list here is to hire a part-time product manager. And that's kind of lower on the list because I'm not sure I'll get to that stage. After I hire uh, the marketing manager, it, it'll be interesting to see like, how my role changes within the company just by having that other person there. So I'm not sure I'm going to need to hire a product manager. Maybe I'll be happy to, to fill that role once, once I don't have to deal with so much other things. So another thing I might try is a hire a part-time user experience slash product designer. Um, right now I fill that role as well. And so like I, do all the mock-ups when we're going to redesign a screen of MigrateDB Pro or we're going to add a new progress display for Offload S3 or something. I, I'm the one that does the mock-ups for that. And I think it would be really great if we had an actual real-life designer <laughs> that was good at, at user experience and product design to just say, here, here's, here's what we need, run with it. And, and iterate. If I didn't have to do that, it would be incredible, I think. The trick is to find the right person for that role, I think. But uh, we're gonna, I think we're gonna try, try to, to fill that role. And then uh, we may launch a new plugin. We're, I, I've, I think this is the third year in a row I've had this on my to-do list or on the goal list. <laughs> so, so it's either, uh, I said it in my, uh, blog posts that it's either now it's it's either a tradition or we're actually going to get it done this year <laughs> the other thing is uh, grow revenue hopefully i always say hopefully double revenue because i don't like to set like exact numbers for growing revenue i just want to grow it um if it's double great if it's more than that super but you have you probably do have a number in mind what you'd like to hit <sighs> well I, you always want to hit or hit or exceed what you did the last the previous year right but <laughs> it's it, that becomes increasingly difficult, I think, as as you get bigger, and as you're as you occupy more of the market, and you know, like there's there's reasons why that gets harder to do. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't really have a number in mind to be honest. I I think I'd like to hit what we hit this year, I guess. So, fifty nine percent. If we do better, super. Another couple things is uh, I'd like to consolidate MigrateDB Pro and the Better Search Replace code base into one code base, but still have them as separate products, uh, but just make it all much easier for us to manage, and it'll be much better to be able to release more versions of Better Search Replace Pro as we release, kind of simultaneously as we release uh, WP MigrateDB Pro. And uh, then another couple things like when I go to conferences, I'd like to try drinking less, eating better, sleeping more, <laughs> and maybe exercising while I attend these conferences. Every time I attend conferences, I'm just, I come, I come back from them and I'm just completely depleted. 
and and it, and it's because I do the opposite of all those things. <laughs> and uh, it's it's easy. I think this is going to be the toughest goal of the year for me um, because I I enjoy kind of letting loose at conferences, but yeah. I think I think it's um, I'm starting to not enjoy conferences as much, and I think it's because I'm so depleted and tired by you know day two. So I think I've started to recognize the value that I get out of conferences a lot more because I've been to enough of them now, and so if if I go to one, it's not enough to just socialize, drink, and not sleep at all during the time there. There there's a lot more value that I want to get out of one, and if I don't do that, then all of a sudden I haven't, well, it's not as much as well worth it. I've been, I've started to become a lot more selective in the conferences that I choose to attend. Right. Right. And finally, the last thing, my last goal for 2017 is to revisit this goal list after six months. Because when I reviewed my goal list from last year, at the end of this year, I realized some of these uh, things that I've added to the the list for 2017 I had on my 2016 goal list and I just kind of forgot about them. So it's important, I think, to go back and like, if you're serious about achieving, achieving your goals, I think it's important to check in on them uh, several times a year. Uh, I'm going to start with six months. If that's not enough, maybe next year I'll go to every three months I'll check in on them or something. But yeah, that's, that's it for me. How about you? What's, what's your plans for 2017? Well, I've got a, few. Um, the first one is, is um, kind of in line with your the one you mentioned about getting more out of conferences, but it's really a renewed focus on mental and physical health. Uh, I, I had a couple of times during this year when both as highlights and as very low points in the year where I realized the importance of those two things. Um, and so that, that to me is something that I realized that my physical and my mental health isn't something to think about for the year. It's every single day. Uh, and I want to be better at that. And I've been working to be better at that. And I want to be better as, as, a, as a team as well. Um, it's, not, it's not just me. It's, it's everybody here. Do you have like concrete plans to, on how you're going to achieve that? Or are you just going? Yeah, there's, there's a few of them. Um, I mean, so on the physical side, one of them is just making sure that we're actively encouraging and taking advantage of physical activity. Um, recognizing that that's not only important for your physical health, but also your mental health. Um, so actually this last year, one of those concrete goals for me has been bike riding to my office. Uh, in, in March, I got an office outside of my home for the first time. And so I've now been at the office for about 10 months and I really worked hard to try to ride my bike to the office, which is uh, about 3.2 miles from my house. So if I ride there and home, I get almost seven miles in to ride two to three times per week. I don't think I managed to actually achieve that, but I got reasonably close. I did, I've done it enough now that every time I drive, I look at it, it's a letdown because I didn't ride. Um, I should have ridden. And, and I think that's a, good, that's a good reminder because I want to be more active. Right. One one thing I did uh, that was on my goal list for 2016 that I ended up doing is keeping a daily private journal. So every day at the end of the day, I reflect, well, <laughs> ideally every day at the end of the day, I reflect on the previous day or on the day that just went by. Um, and it's incredible 
how, like when you sit down and you're like, what the heck did I do today? I don't even remember. How did it even go? Like, it takes a while for like you to remember, like, and, and it's really, I, I found it therapeutic to like reflect each day on, on what happened um, and just what I was thinking and that kind of stuff. Um, I used to do that and I would like to get back into it. I knew somebody that did it every single day and they had done it for years and years and years. And they had this huge bookshelf just filled with black books, all, all dated, but otherwise unmarked. And it was kind of cool to see this is their writing every day for years. And I mean, I'm talking hundreds of books. Uh, and that's something that I would like to get back into. Actually, one of my, one of my goals for the, this, this year is to write more. So maybe that's the way I'll do it. I actually did it with, um, with a, just text documents so that I, they're searchable as well. Unless you're, uh, you don't like the idea of doing it on a keyboard cause you're on a keyboard all day. I, I recommend that, but I, I did it on like a different machine. So I didn't do it on the same machine, the same work machine. So that was the way I've kind of separated it from work. Right. You can, I, I find that I can separate myself from work and not work by just putting myself in a different machine. So for example, I don't work on my iPad very often. And so I can write on my iPad and not feel connected to work. The other concrete way of doing it or, or going after this goal is striving to work less. There, there's a couple of ideals that I have in mind for myself and for my team. Um, and that is eventually a four day work week. Uh, and two is the idea of an eight hour work day is crazy. How about a six hour work day, four days a week? I think that is a goal that I would love to get to. Now it's very difficult to get there, especially because I'm a workaholic and I tend to work 18 hours a day, even if I don't need to, but that's, that's one of the goals that I, I have. And so finding ways for me to not just encouraging me to step away, but making sure that everything within the company is running in such a way that any day that we want to, unless there's some kind of fire happening, anybody on the team can just say, you know what, I'm going to take the rest of the day off. I'm going to, I'm going to step away without causing problems, without causing delays, without anything like that. That's one of the goals that I want to work towards is enabling us to work less. Right. Yeah. When you say us, do you mean your whole team? I do. And I, and I think one of the ways that, that I do that we get there is by trying to lead by example as well. Right. I think Basecamp um, does this. They, they do, but they do it only in the summertime, I think, is what I, the last I heard is they, they so they, they do like a, an extra weekend day uh, per week, like in July and August, I think it is. Basically, it's kind of like how in the summer you, you used to, uh, you know, you used to have the summer off from school so you could play and you could do whatever. They're trying to kind of... And now we lock ourselves in our offices all day. Yeah. <laughs> and they also they also said that after like three years, I think, uh, like if you've been working with them for three years, you, you get a, a one month long sabbatical where you can just go for a month and they'll pay you to go where, do whatever you want. Uh, it's interesting. And then I've got three other little ones. Um, so the first one, well, I guess it's not really little, but that is to grow our revenue by 30 to 40%. We managed to grow by 29.9% in 2016. And I'd like to increase that up to 30 or 
I have a number in my mind that I'd really like to hit. And we'll see if we can actually manage to hit it. But I think there's a pretty good chance that we will. Okay, so then the last one that I would like to, to work at, and we managed to do it this last year, is to decrease support while increasing revenue, which allows us to really increase our revenue per support ticket. One of the metrics that we measure is for every support ticket that we have, how much do we bring in? And it kind of gives us an idea. It's, it's similar to like a per customer value. Um, but I want to raise that number up um, for all, all of our projects because overall that, that implies that we have, rate, we have expanded the gap between revenue and support. And so if we can bring in more dollars with, with the same or less support, our revenue per ticket will go up. And then the last one is, um, I mentioned earlier, is uh, we have a goal of, as, a, as a family of traveling internationally to a new place every single year. And so we're going to probably in summer or fall, we're going to go somewhere this year. We haven't yet decided where to go, but we're going to do it. Nice. So For how long? Um, um, it, well, it's going to depend on where we go. Um, if we go somewhere in the Americas, uh, we could go for say five days and it'd still be worth it. If we're flying overseas, then we're going to go a lot longer. So anywhere from one to three weeks, probably. Does your wife work every day? Like, does she have a day job? She works um, basically during the school year. She teaches dance part-time, uh, and she works three days uh -huh. a week. Uh, and it's possible for her to get a sub for a week or two during the year. But if we go during the summer, then it's not an issue for her because she doesn't work during the summer. And since I can work from anywhere. Yeah. Um, awesome. My kids have really enjoyed traveling. They, they both like to fly, and they both fly flown a lot. Um, and so we... There's no reason for us not to. Yeah. Um, we're, we're able to do it, and, then, and it's been a great experience everywhere we've gone so far. So That's awesome. All right. Should we wrap it up? All righty. Yeah, let's do it. So I think overall it was a, it was a great year, and I'm looking forward to 2017. Yeah, same here. Um, All right. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody, and catch you next time. Talk to you next time.